The road to consciousness. We will figure out how consciousness works. This is the biggest mystery in human history. How we can have such a rich, subjective experience of life based on the electrical signals and chemical uh, signals in our brain. That's the mystery. We're going to do it using a methodology where we look at a variety of disciplines and make some claims of either knowledge that's justified true belief from epistemological sense where we have enough data and evidence that yeah we can say this is knowledge and then there's either competing theories or not enough evidence pointing to one thing where we need to make an assumption if we don't make assumptions and move forwards we're going to go around in circles with with the problem of consciousness let's talk about memory memory is a super fascinating part of our conscious experience it is phenomenal how much over our lifetime we can remember and the fact that we can recall almost that memory which feels instantaneous it's part of our experience it's not something we consciously have to think about doing it's just there in fact when i think about my memory of how memory works in the brain it just it just comes to me and there's many different areas we've learned of the brain that facilitate memory. And there's different types of memory. There's declarative and non-declarative. Declarative is your factual and event or episodic memory. This is primarily driven by your, your limbic system, your hippocampus, uh, the medial temporal lobe. That part of the brain, the left side is for the episodics. The right side is more the spatial. But these are essentially memories which we hold facts about. They're either true, false, or, or something else. And they're also events in our lifetime or episodes. I'm going to go back to what we previously mentioned, that emotions play a very key role in everything in terms of our conscious experience. And the facts that we remember do have some, albeit small, emotional significance. The theory that I'm going to go forward with is the emotional significance theory of consciousness, which is revolving around those neurotransmitters that are involved in the hippocampus doing its thing are largely related to a factor of emotional significance that allow them to play a conscious role of us thinking about them because factual and episodical and we'll get to the other type later is a very conscious memory function we are recalling a fact we are recalling an event because we believe that it is significant to us in some way it, now the factual side of things sure you just remember facts the fact that i remember the hippocampus is involved in memory function of the brain that's a fact to me, that's a fact. <laughs> I've learned this previously. Ironically, stored somewhere in the brain, the hippocampus loads and presented it to me. Although I suspect I'm making the assumption that the longer term memory is more in the neocortex parts of our brains and the cortexes play and it's distributed across the cortexes. So the hippocampus is potentially reloading it for me or I, I'm, I'm actually not 100% sure, but I'm assuming the hippocampus is either loading it or the cortex is loading it. Either way, the hippocampus does 
transfer short term to long term and the long term is stored somewhere else in uh, in different regions of the brain depending on the type of even factual and episodic uh, memory it is either way the emotional significance theory puts a threshold or a value of emotional significance on that on those memories that then translate into whether it is conscious for us or not so even in the factual sense it has some significance to us now it's very important to mention right now when we label something as an emotion or a neurotransmitter whether it's dopamine acetylcholine uh, oxytocin whatever it is we're giving labels to something for us to understand the way that they actually function in our brain and, and things in the universe and this goes across everything that we know about physics these are labels for us to understand to give some meaning to what they actually are and how they function doesn't necessarily <laughs> map to what we think that they do, especially when I mention emotion. You know, we think of our feelings. I'm tying emotion more to the experience that we're having. So factual memory at some point had some meaning to us. That's why we remembered it. We placed a certain emotional significance to it. And later on, we are recalling that fact as an experience. Even though we think that it's just a fact coming to us, it's not. We're re-experiencing almost a time that we learnt it with that emotion. And that's why we remembered it in the first place. And that's why we're recalling it now. Because we want to relive that experience. And it's based on that emotional significance. Episodic is a little bit more natural to us. Because there's different and variety types of episodes we remember. It's amazing how much we remember in our lifespan. But those episodes, depending on the emotional significance or whether they even get stored or not, we don't remember every conscious snapshot. We don't remember every conscious experience we've ever had. That would just, like we can remember a lot, but that would be a phenomenal amount. But the ones that we remember have an emotional significance. The ones that are stored have an emotional significance. The ones that are then relived through that experience and whether they're stronger or not that is the emotional significance threshold that gets crossed for it to be a conscious thought so this emotional significance theory i want to i'm repeating it for me to digest and internalize this because that's the theory that we're going through uh going to go ahead with uh, how that mapping happens, what it is, still a mystery. And this is the hard problem of consciousness, how we can get from the ex- the perception phase to the experience phase. But I think the meaning phase plays a role in it. The meaning phase is that conscious awareness that we have of that uh, experience. And that's really coming from the emotional significance threshold in the previous phase. We could talk a little bit about non-declarative memory. And this is you know motor patterns things we learn obviously as a kid um this is uh emotional uh memory things that we associate with uh emotions that are more reactions and the amygdala plays in this uh the striatum and the cerebellum help in the uh patterns sort of motor pattern behavior that we don't have to consciously think about and it's just programmed into us uh there's other types that come in non-declarative and and clearly my memory isn't functioning as well as i like uh so i can't remember the other types i think some of them are skeletal reflexes muscle reflexes basically things that we don't consciously think about they still have an emotional significance for us it's just that that threshold doesn't get reached because it's not that emotionally uh charged you could say unless there's a an event that happened for us uh that that places it more in episodic slash it's 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 significant conscious but our subconscious 
basically takes care of all that for us like for instance walking moving your arms and all of this we learn as 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 uh, when we're young this gets programmed into our brains uh the cerebellum the striatum the fine-tuned movements through the striatum as well this is all that interplay of of electrical signals through the neurons and the neurochemicals through the neurotransmitters but whatever the significant threshold is for that the the neurotransmitters to i'm using the term emotion tied into to sort of the emotional experience is whether we are actively or consciously thinking about it or not uh, and so that's a little bit about memory i think memory is a super fascinating function of the brain uh, learning is also something that we do but again the learning translates to some sort of memory when you learn something there is also an, uh, an experience that goes along with it there's a conscious experience that that ties to the to the uh, emotion and the neurotransmitters that get released at that time really governs what we know about it at a later stage and how significant it was to us so i'm hesitant to even call it the emotional significance theory because i think when we talk about emotion it automatically triggers some thoughts that we have around feelings and maybe it is either way there is a significance factor it could be maybe maybe calling it the neurochemical neurotransmit significant factor Uh, but i like emotion because i believe that emotion and experience of consciousness is very linked and we could even make the assumption that the first animals that developed the limbic system looking like the way that it did today started having an conscious experience of life it might not be as meaningful as we do or it might not be as uh i don't want to say advanced but like along the way in terms of evolution we have a very powerful emotional subjective experience of life it's not an ordinary one we see colors we smell things right uh, we don't smell chemicals that go into our nose uh you know we hear music so this all gives us that emotional experience of life that is well and far beyond tracing back to the animals that first started experiencing life um so i think i'm gonna go no i am gonna go i should be a little bit more concrete here like i said if we don't move forward with this problem we will never move forward we will move in circles so emotional significance theory revolving around the neurotransmitters because the the electrical signals that get basically ionized through the neurons themselves in terms of the threshold uh the potential of firing or not firing uh, i think it's called active potential that's just an electrical signal and it's 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 very similar to every other cell and the electrical signals and the polarization and ionization that happens throughout our whole body what seems to be unique is the neurotransmitters and the neuromodulators and the chemical exchange that happens between the synapses and the different varieties that we have i believe we know about 30 we think there is about 100 neurotransmitters whatever and whether they come about from the same phenomena or however they interplay and however they give some kind of significant factor to the way that the neurons transmit those amongst themselves and the way they bind i would say although we 
I, I would need more data here. I would say, or oh, that's the assumption that that is what happens in our brain that gives us consciousness that is special and unique to our brains and our minds. The rest we get, obviously, like we've got different type of nerve cells and neurons throughout our body, our peripheral nervous system. They also transmit neurochemicals, I would assume. I need to get, I need, and this is why I need an, an, a neuroscientist, an actual neuroscientist to help me. So if you, I need more information. So I need to do research in this part. But hey, it's a start. It's a theory. I don't know, even if it's not unique through our brains, I believe that whatever the, then we could make the case that the number of neurons and the way that the, how many neurotransmitters throughout our brain actually function at any one time gives rise to consciousness okay this is a it's a start you always have to start somewhere 